freedom itself was attacked this morning by a faceless coward. And freedom will be defended. We just had a, a plane crash into Alpha 4 of the World Trade Center. Transmit a second alarm and start relocating companies into the area. The World Trade Center, tower number one, is on fire. The whole outside of the building was just a huge explosion. We have a number of floors on fire. It looked like the plane was aiming towards the building. Financial Center, we heard a big bang, and then we saw smoke coming out, and everybody started running out, and we saw the plane on the other side of the building, and there was smoke everywhere, and people are jumping out the windows. Oh, they're jumping out the windows, I guess, because they're trying to save themselves. I don't know. victims, and the heroes of September 11th, 2001. The Quest Gaming Network presents... Elder Scrolls, off the record.
Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Elder Scrolls Off the Record for episode number 82. I am Joe the Widget Wilson, and we are back for another fine episode. Episode? I meant episode of, <laughs> of Elder Scrolls Off the Record. I am joined, as always, by my awesome, amazing co-hosts, starting with the understandably underrated Ivarwin. Joe! Ivarwin, what's up, buddy? How's your week? You know, it, it was understandably underrated because there wasn't a whole lot of news about it. Um, but I will tell you this. There was a lot going on, my friend. Word. In High my five. life. In my life. Yeah. Okay. Hello, chat room. We are joined by the unwillingly uneven Louis Alon. Hey. Wow, that actually works. Hello, Joe. <laughs> Hello, Ivarwin. Hello, chat room. How's everyone tonight? Lou, are you in dire need of a V8? <laughs> yes. I could have had more fiber in his diet. Are you Um, uneven? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kilter. And we are joined by the unforgivably ugly David Dean Force Adams. (laughs) Oh, that's accurate. (laughs) You should apologize now, Dave. Wow, that's. And then yell at your mother. (laughs) What's the knife, man? God. I didn't With make the it up. and assault included. Jeez. I apologize prior to the show for Dave. You, you needed to, because I'm now trying to judge whether I should still be mad, even with you pre-apologizing. Oh, jeez. That was the winner. That was it. Uh, finally, <laughs> on the list is the usefully undisciplined Shank the Tank. That is literally the most accurate description anyone has ever given me. <laughs> Congrats, sir. Uh, Words with you. I actually have my soundboard queued up today. You are welcome! <laughs> Alright, guys, we have another show to get into today. We have a lot going on. Unfortunately, no special guests this week. Can't do it every week, guys, but stay tuned for, for future episodes. We plan to get a lot more guests on the show that you guys will enjoy. Um, but first, we have some sponsors. Yeah, so big shout out to TweakedAudio.com for sponsoring this show today in part. So thank you, TweakedAudio.com. Head over to their site to get quality earbuds with free worldwide shipping and, of course, their unbeatable customer service. Oh, you'll scoop up a lifetime warranty with those as well if you use our code off the record. You also get an additional 30% off your order if you use that. All at tweakedaudio.com. And we want to just say thank you to Druid Gameworks, who says Druid Gameworks is gearing up for its first Kickstarter campaign for their game, Unwritten Echoes of Twilight. Please visit druidgameworks.com. Thanks, guys, and keep up the great work. Great Q&A podcast last week with Paul Sage. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your compliment. We'll be checking out that game. Uh, but first, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, oh. yeah, we have something quick to mention. Uh, we do. ESO will be available to play at Eurogamer Expo, which is the UK's largest gaming show from September 26th to September 29th for ages 12 and up. So if you're going, Bethesda urges you to share your experience playing on Twitter and Facebook as well. So give them a shout if you're going to go. Let them know how you liked it. I want to go. I want to go. 
Nope, can't go. All right, guys, let's get into the show. <laughs> the actual meat and potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's two for That's two this week, Joey. Two for two. Yeah. Well, I said before, and then, yeah, okay, you get the idea. So we're going into the Elder Scrolls Anthology is now available for sale, guys. If you ever want to play Arena, Daggerfall, Morrowind, Oblivion, and Skyrim all in the same set, you oh can. God, 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 God. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. I want it so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> Someone splash him with water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to get this thing. It's so great. It comes with like this um, like hard plastic shell, and then you pull it out. Right, that's me pulling it up, and then it comes like with this this hardcover book, and then you open it up, and it's got all these inserts and maps, and I got every physical copy of Elder Scrolls right here in this awesome little thing here, little DLC and all that. It's fantastic. Oh God, I love it so much. I'm just gonna rub my face in right now. Uh, oh, is anyone else getting the feeling that Varwin is slightly excited about this anthology? Uh, no, I didn't. I Split never got step. that impression. No, I, I don't. I don't think I have a computer powerful enough to run Arena. To be honest with you, grab out your T9 calculator because I'm pretty sure that's what it could run. Definitely. <laughs> oh, you know the old Tassio wristwatches calculate calculate wristwatches. Well, I have to ask really quick because I know Varwin tweeted out about playing it how is arena and daggerfall running great actually um it comes with you gotta you gotta run uh arena and daggerfall on dosbox so uh the anthology series comes with dosbox you download it right off the uh well you you put it onto your computer with the disc and then um it comes with you know instructions and all that so be sure to, to read, you know, the manual and the, the little readme file and all that if you're going to upload Arena and Daggerfall because it's it's not what you're used to. Once you get it all set up and going, though, um, it's fantastic. It's so much fun. And I kind of feel like I'm playing Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first dungeon, which is the prison, you wake up at, in, in a prison um, what? No way. Yeah, I know. Shocking. I know. It's different for an Elder Scrolls game, but it was the first one, so you got to expect some different. <laughs> um, it took me four hours to figure out how to get out of that place. Did you see Barney? I didn't see Barney. You didn't see the Argonian? Wait till no. you see the Argonian, you're going to just die. Okay. Well, I'm out. I'm out now, so. I just, I'm I sure just got out the before the show. I just got out. I'm pretty so. sure Arena sends you all over the map. I believe it. It does. It takes you all over the place. So you'll run and into speaking, some Argonians. Speaking of maps, I just want to say that the, the Arena map so far has been the best map in an Elder Scrolls game I've ever played with. <laughs> it's easy to bring up. Uh, it's extremely uh, concise. You can figure out where you are in relationship to everything else. There's no barriers here. There's no decoding that you have to look at visually. Like there's nothing, none of that. You just you hit the M button, and there it is, in all of its glory, a freaking you know two bit <laughs> map. I'm here. This is the layout. I have to discover that stuff, and there you go. It's great. Go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> So if you guys ever wanted to play Arena and Daggerfall in the easier way, this is definitely the way to do it. Get your uh, it, your, your teeth cut on the originals. Mm-hmm. So that is up for seventy nine ninety nine in North America. 
Um, and what other details do you want to give out before we move on? Uh, well, we just want to clarify that uh, there was some confusion regarding the initial announcement that just because you know it's the anthology series means that there's not going to be any other Elder Scrolls games. That's not true. And obviously, um, I don't know if you remember us reporting on this some some uh, some weeks ago, but we just want to say it again. Now that it's out and you get it in your hands, don't worry. There will be more Elder Scrolls games, as per Pete Hines on Twitter. So, so no worries, guys. After all, Elder Scrolls Online is coming out, right? Yeah. Oh, um, also, uh, Friday, this Friday, which is tomorrow for us, it'll be available in Europe. And uh, if you get it on, what was it, uh, Amazon.com, Best Buy, or Walmart, you'll also receive a $10 gift card. So, but that's only for uh, North American American residents. Oh, there you go, guys. Yeah. Zenimax released a Ask Us Anything variety pack number seven as of Monday, and we're going to do like we normally do and cover it piece by piece. Starting with, what's up? I said, sounds good. Alrighty. Starting with the first question: How will the Alliance Wars work with the three alliances? Let's say the Ebonheart Pack controls a keep. Can the Almeri Dominion and the Daggerfall Covenant attack that same keep at the same time? Or in the same scenario, let's say I am from the Almeri Dominion. Can I just go around and start attacking the Daggerfall people who are attacking that keep? Or are the confrontations capped to two alliances at any given time? Uh, in that scenario, Almeri and Daggerfall forces can attack the keep at the same time. And like you said, if they wipe out the Ebonheart defenders... It's up to the two alliances left to battle it out between each other. Yaldmeri attackers could choose to attack Daggerfall while assaulting the keep, or just wait until the dust settles and attack whoever's left. Another tactic could involve the Ebonheart force withdrawing from the keep, letting Yaldmeri and Daggerfall fight each other, and then wiping out any remaining forces from those two fighting. That's very exciting what three sides in open warfare add to a fight, and you'll see... Many tactics out there on the battlefields of Cyrodiil. Oh my god. <laughs> Alright, Dave. That's, why are you freaking out, man? That's awesome! <laughs> that means that two-thirds of the people out there are going to be able to be killed. At any given time. That's pretty that neat. Just means, that just means that, uh, that's giving me... That's two-thirds of the people I can run away from. It's a lot of piecing. <laughs> it's a lot of piecing. <laughs> I mean, if you do it right, if you know that, let's say, the Aldmeri has the upper hand, and the Aber- Ebonheart and the Daggerfall may know that the Aldmeri has the upper hand in this keep, Ebonheart dudes could go over to Daggerfall dudes and say, whoa, hold up, we need to take them down. And you could see a, a group of two people going like a pincer attack on one keep. That's sick. Two groups of people. Yeah. And then turning on each other and fighting it out, bloodshed everywhere. And then the Elmeri Dominion just walks over their corpses and takes the keep. Takes it again. <laughs> After they've reformed. <laughs> Thanks Ladies for the help, guys. <laughs> that is your scenario. All right. Any other qu- uh, comments on that before we move on? Nope. Okay. Hello nope. there. I was hoping you might be able to share any information on the possibility of Shadow Scales. Please? I'm a major fan of them, and would really like to see them in-game. 
The Shadow Scales. Those Argonians born under the sign of the shadow and thus taken into the Black Marsh Dark Brotherhood are definitely a part of ESO. You will meet them personally in the region of Black Marsh known as Shadowfen. Nice. Anything to do with the Black Dark Brotherhood is my heroes. Dude, totally. But they're Argonians. So, so Shank, <laughs> these Argonians are actually your hero now? No, the Dark Brotherhoods are my heroes. <laughs> I was, that's but yet, like, here's a Shank's problem. okay with this? Here's a conundrum for you, Shank. But they're a part of Dark Brotherhood, and they're Argonians. So, is that but like there's a, a brilliant? Hero? But see, there, there's I counter that with there's a brilliant quest in Oblivion where you actually need to go kill a Shadow Scale. Thus, you have you have an actual quest to kill an Argonian. That's not a counter. Which that's just avoiding the topic here. That's just sweet. <laughs> Shut, Shut up. <laughs> what the best part about this statement is for Shank, he knows exactly <clears throat> where to go. In sh- now, he knows exactly to go to Shadowfen to kill him out. Just wipe them all out right there, right? Yeah, he, Shank. They're telling you right there. Shank, go to Shadowfen, kill some people. Shank's name is the Peaceful or the Wanderer, and he's going to go wipe out a bunch of assassins. This, I got to see. <laughs> he's going to set <laughs> traps made out of, of blue mountain flowers. Shank's like like that hero Shazam, you know. You got to say a certain word to to get him going, right? For that, for Shank, it's it's Argonian. That that's it. That's his Shazam word. He he turns into super Argonian hunter. Turn into Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> All right. Next question. Can you explain the guild stores a bit more? Do I have to be a member of a guild to buy from, or is it a public store in which guilds? A guild of crafters and merchants offer their products. Will I be able to set my own prices, or would this be regulated by the guild leaders? You will need to be a member of a guild to use its guild store. Right now, there isn't a public storefront for them. If you have permission, configurable by the guild leader, to sell items on the guild store, you'll be able to set your own prices. This is hmm. Price gouging, monopoly, yes. This is kind of like the idea of the guild store. What it lends to me is the encouragement of larger guilds. Yeah, it definitely helps crafters recoup some of the cost uh, for making stuff. Especially, they can set stuff at a lower price than they would normally trading out in the real world for their guildies. You know, to be helpful. But I guess I, I've, especially just the way I play MMOs, I just feel bad making my guildies pay for anything to set up a store like that would be against my nature i i have a question um for you mmo pros uh can you so like i know there's there's guild stores and like other mmos but have you guys ever come across a situation or a possibility where like say we're in like qgn guild and there's some other like we love argonian guild can you like can you like make a I don't know like a trade alliance with them and create like a trust of guilds? For one, there's never been any kind of guild store before. There's yeah. guild banks, but that's where everyone just shares and you know becomes a community. The, oh, maybe I'm confusing the two. Okay. The argument behind the guild stores, well, there's two different arguments here. For it is the usefulness of recuperating costs, that kind of thing, encouraging big guilds. The negative is, is it, one, it kind of hinders smaller guilds, and two, gets rid of the uh, community aspect of a guild bank, unless they do plan on adding guild banks, 
They're also afraid that not having these guild stores will negate having an open auction house. Right. Well, let's caveat that with obviously Joe's not spitting facts right now. He's he's yeah, telling just, he, he's saying what other people are saying about this thing. Not that it's a fact, not that it's going to happen, but that other people feel this way. Exactly. I I feel that way. I feel that if they're going to have this, I would at least like to see guild banks as well. Well, they haven't said that they're going to Right, they haven't said anything for or against it. Yeah, there's very very but, little information when it comes to the uh, economy of ESO. There's no information on on this, to be honest. I mean, they True. this is probably the most we've heard from from guild stores up until now. I wasn't sure if they were referring to a, the NPC guilds that you can buy from, or if it would be your guild that you would be buying from. Until they came out with this, so. Right. Um, this this sort of begs to uh, it begs uh, a lot of questions from it. Um, it's one of those things where more questions arise out of the answer than really yeah. Anything else. Just too little information to really kind of make any kind of judgment on it. Yeah. And anyone who is making a judgment on it shouldn't because there's just nothing enough out there for us to really know all the facts yet. Once they release like more information on the economy of ESO and how that's going to work then we can know whether it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing or whatever. In the yeah. meantime, I'm excited to hear what's going on about this, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I have faith that it could be something cool and interesting. I won't know until I'm in-game playing it. So, yeah. Any other thoughts? Well, tons, but, you know, <laughs> do we yeah. have time? Right? We, we, we can do a whole Again, podcast on this. <laughs> only, unfortunately, though, that whole podcast would be a speculatory podcast, and we try to yeah, avoid that. Right. Sure. So, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next question. Until we get more information regarding guild stores, guild banks, and that kind of stuff. And that other ilk. <laughs> Will you be able to gather titles or achievements? For example, can you get them for the completion of a long quest? Or for solving every quest in a certain zone, similar to Thane titles in, e in Elder Scrolls V? You'll be able to gain achievements for many things in-game, including for completing large quest chains or by finishing every quest in a zone. As for titles, there's something that we're still considering. We understand the value and appeal of titles, but if we use them, we want to make sure they're displayed in a way that's immersive and consistent with our game. Rest assured, though, we want to make sure there are ways to show off your accomplishments in the game such as through visual advancement, with gear, abilities, and by other mechanisms. You know what I want to see in-game? I want to see them like be able to put your rank or your titles or symbols or crests on your gear, like on shoulders or even cape. <laughs> yeah, that would be sick. Yeah, I was, I was, I completely, dude. You just stole the words right out of my mouth. Like that was a that was a brilliant answer. Like consistent with the uh, with the the lore and whatnot. Like, and if you could display something like that on your cape or, you know, like on your on your shoulders, your spalders or whatever on your armor. Well, be, just, here's an idea. What about all right? So, um, in the military, obviously you don't have uh, titles over your head, right? Whenever you're walking <laughs> right. around in life. But in the military, they give you they give you ribbons and medals. There's military in in Elder Scrolls, right? Obviously, so why not 
have some kind of way of showing off instead of a title system for, I don't know, throwing yourself off a cliff and living, have some form of, of like ribbon that gets put on, on your, your character's paper doll or something that maybe could go on a cloak. That would totally make yeah, me want to do uh, PvP just to gain rank. Yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> I'll walk around. Widget the mighty, he's neat and tidy. You know, as I run on the forest, kill stuff. Wow. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> you have your own internal monologue theme song? Have you not seen wow. so- Okay, I don't know how. I know that you're you're old, you're, you're young, Dave, but for Lou and Ivarwin, you guys ever watch uh, Xena? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Jocer. Oh, yeah. Come on. Yes. Jocks are the mighty. Jocks are the mighty. Jocks are the <laughs> That just happened. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> An exclusive one. Wow. That scrolls off the record. Joe, do you have a Xena Warrior Princess uh, battle ch- battle cry? Uh, no, I, I was a fan of Gabrielle. Oh. Just saying. She didn't have a battle cry. No. Have you seen Xena lately? I'll take two of those. Ow! <laughs> She's like twice Dave's age. I don't she care. Spartans, <clears throat> man. I can make that Xena battle cry. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> okay, we are moving on to the next question before we get way out of hand. <laughs> Alright, if a player becomes Emperor at, and their alliance holds the keep around the Imperial City, how will the other alliances be able to take control again if they have no point of access into Cyrodiil? Also, if the Emperor is changed when the current emperor is killed, what is to stop a player just avoiding Cyrodiil on that character once they become emperor? Access to Cyrodiil is always available in safe locations that enemies cannot enter, so you can always fight over control of the emperorship. If an emperor is dethroned, meaning their alliance lost all the keeps necessary to crown an emperor, the next time they are killed, log out, or switch zones, they lose the emperorship. Emperorship isn't just beneficial to the individual player, though. The entire alliance gets a bonus if an emperor is on their side. See, this answers a question that I had, which was, like, if you enter Cyrodiil... Like, my biggest fear was entering Cyrodiil because I'm curious to see it, and then instantly being killed because someone's, like, just sitting there hanging out at that spawn point or whatever. What what I like like from this (laughs) is... Now we know how an alliance is going to be put an emperor on the throne. At least to a degree. Right. You, you have he gave to give us some information right here. Yeah, some some information, which is great. I mean you have to uh, you have to hold on to some keeps. You have to take keeps and hold on to them in order to crown an emperor. What I'm not too sure about, and what I'm e- eager to hear now, is how does an individual player get crowned? Mm, yeah, that's still up in the air, huh? Yeah. I, wonder- I can imagine <clears throat> it would probably be like, you know, do you have the highest points in the fight? I, that would probably be the easiest way to go about that. But, you know, knowing Zoss, you know, that may, be, that may not be the way they go, just because I- easiest and obvious way. I think honestly, like the the most obvious way to the crown emperor would just be like you know who can twerk the best. Yeah. Oh God. On really, they could give points to near, damn near everything. Uh, True. Clearing content, clearing dungeons, especially that thing that we were talking about last week. The the veteran points. Or, yeah, twerking. exactly. It could be based off of veteran points. It could be based off of veteran veteran points. That would be the easiest way because that goes with everything, as we were told. And. 
honestly, you get, you're going to have people complain if only PvP people can be crowned Emperor. So, well, if it's based on veteran points, so I mean, that's not something that you give up at the end of a... No, but it's not something that is going to stop anyone else from becoming Emperor. I mean, you're always... It sounds to me like people can... Or even if they do it on a weekly basis. You know, whenever the the Cyrodiil... They said that these campaigns are going to go for seasons, in air quotes, right? Right. So, whenever the season resets, they could reset your... uh, Well, not remove them, but reset your count for that period of your veteran points. Uh, I don't know. At least that's how I would do it. And then let people duke it out. And then whenever an emperor should be crowned, see who has that, the most uh, veteran points for that period. I don't know about that. Uh, Regardless. I I don't know. Regardless how they do it. I want to see a member of reforged or whatever we name our guild sitting on the throne first. Yeah, okay, I'm sure that'll happen. <laughs> no, it won't. But still, we can wish, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll have some members thrown, you know, crowned at some point. Maybe. Never know. Hopefully. You never know. I want to crown Widget. Or even crown Ivarwin. Talk about a paladin moment right there. I guarantee you that's not going to happen. I'm no, terrible I in PvP. Liz will stab us all in the back and take the yeah, throne I for our bodies. I think Liz would take Emperor, and then she <laughs> yeah. would be like... Empress, Liz... All those people who, who made fun of me, I'm banning. Dean, you're gone. See, people are going to fear Reforged just because of Liz. Elizabeth. A.K.A. Liz. A.K.A. Mr. Slobo. No, it'll be Empress Slobo now. Empress Slobo, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, She'll never log off. Uh, I am crowned Empress. You will n- <laughs> I'll yeah, never like the die. Queen from Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Say Lebeau. <laughs> All right, next question, guys. It has been confirmed that the mage, the spell Mage Light, will be in the game, and you mentioned that it will reveal sneaking characters. Will Mage Light act like Mage Light from Skyrim, being sent forward as a projectile sticking to the first object it hits, or will it? be more like candlelight hovering above the caster. Will Mage Light serve any other purpose besides revealing sneaking players? Mage Light will work more as an aura around the player, similar to candlelight. In addition to revealing sneaking characters, it also grants a bonus to spellcasting. Talk about one of the weirdest questions I could ask. Alrighty then. Coolness. So a spell from the Mage's Guild does that? Awesome. Hmm. I like that it- PVE use as well. That's that pleases me. Yeah, exactly. Yes. We have already been told that there will be uh, massive. Be massive. Yeah. <laughs> that there will massive in-depth battles taking place for strongholds and territory in Cyrodiil. Uh, but my question is whether or not there will be any open PvP combat when encountering another player, not NPC, while exploring. Will there be any sort of combat in this case, or will the encounters be purely social? even when meeting up with enemies from other factions. There will be lots of chance encounters and roaming players to kill in Cyrodiil. Many of the quests from towns and from Alliance entry locations are designed to send you into enemy territory. If you're looking for a fight outside of large-scale keep battles, there's a good chance you'll run into some enemies near Coral, Chadenhall, Bruma, Cropsford, or Blastaris. 
So I, is, I is, did is, not is, ask this question, by the way. Is Shank squealing yet? <laughs> just think of that. I was wondering if Shank was squealing and, and muted. <laughs> I was just curious. <laughs> I, I love the fact that their quests are going to be driving people further into Cyrodiil's to create those encounters. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good way to encourage open world PvP. I mean, for what this gentleman asked, it's like uh, all of Cyrodiil's open world PvP. It doesn't matter where you are, the moment you enter Cyrodiil, you know, you're either going to kill someone or get killed yourself, so. <laughs> it just it just depends on, it like, just it just the chances of you, like, in certain areas are much higher than if you're in the middle of nowhere, but you still have that mm-hmm. chance of being killed, for sure. Right. When you step into Cyrodiil, you're always going to have a chance you're going to get killed. <laughs> so, Shank, right. have you seen the the uh, then and now pictures of Coral? I have not, actually. Do you mind linking them to me? I would love to see it. Yeah, I'll see if I can find you some. Um, are, yeah, are these very... pictures of, like, uh, from Oblivion versus ESO? Yes. Oh, God, I would love to see that, dude. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can grab some up for you. It's either awesome. Coral, Coral or, excuse me, Coral or Chaden Hall. One of the two. Anyway, we have another question to get into. If players are free to choose one of three factions, how will ESL strike a player balance between the three? What if one faction is overpopulated while another is extremely underpopulated? The underpopulated one won't stand a chance in claiming the throne. Three-sided battles actually allow for more player balancing options than systematic options. If one side is overpopulated... The other two sides usually gang up on that alliance. That being said, there are alliance population caps per campaign to make sure one alliance doesn't fill up a campaign entirely. There are also scoring incentives for alliances that are tailing behind when capturing resources and keep from the winning alliance, and the score is imbalanced. You'll get more points by taking keeps and resources from the winning alliance and holding your own keeps, helping you catch up in the overall score. Lastly, keeps can be captured with smaller groups than you may expect, so underpopulated alliances have a real shot at claiming the throne. Booyah. Yep. I, I, is... Sorry, go ahead, no, Luke. Go ahead, Jack. Go ahead, Jack. No, I, I just had a question. Like, How many MMOs that you guys have played have more than two factions? Good MMOs? Well, j- just any, because like I'm wondering how, because they're talking about, it seems like this is like almost like a balance question. It is. Um, it, it's a straight balance question. Um, a lot of people who are, uh, you know, who have experienced Dark Age of Camelot, because this is where it's coming from, this is the fir- one of the free- few games that actually has this three faction, uh, oh, three factions in their game. And this is exactly how they functioned. Uh, if one faction was overly populated, where they were the you know they were the cool kids, so everyone joined them, they could still lose horribly because the other two factions would you know would form their own alliance and systematically work together and destroy them piece by piece. Or you get a really good group of Dark Brotherhood wannabes creating havoc and mayhem in the background. That's always possible. And when it comes, right. it seems to me that they're trying to reward intelligence more than sheer number. Just brute force, yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, and you know, my own experience playing DOC, Shank. Yeah, I have my, my groups. Not we have with small groups. We have taken keeps because you can't be everywhere at once. Let's put it you that know, way. guys. I you you all know I'm not a fan of MMO PvP at all. 
But the more and more we talk about and we hear about uh, Cyrodiil-based PvP, the ex- more excited I get about it. And I didn't think that was going to happen, period. Yeah, because it sounds more and more brains over brawn. Yeah. But, I mean, there's still going to be the times when you're going one-on-one with somebody, but it's not the two football teams smack into each other in the middle of the field PvP like Again, you see in other yeah. games. Or like fighters, you know? The button mashers are not going to win. <laughs> So you yeah. got to really know your class, know how to play against them, and be smart about it. Which is going to be fun. It really is. Alright guys, next question. Will we find new hints about the disappearance of Dwemer in ESO? Ooh, well, that's my question. <laughs> Maybe, new <books. laughs> Maybe new books about Dwemer or even original texts from them. There's never any shortage of theories in the Elder Scrolls about the Dwemer and their mysterious disappearance back in the first era. That tradition carries on in ESO. I got my my biggest when it comes to Elder Scrolls games. The only really piece of lore that I really attached to was the whole Dwemer story. So it's a good one. (laughs) It is a good one. It's a really good one. (laughs) I'm hoping to see more hints about Dwemer, and I would still die to see a Dwemer skill tree. (laughs) <laughs> Somehow, some way, <laughs> like the uh, Dwemer Archaeologist Guild or something, you know? Oh, that'd be D- cool, dude! What if like the master skill for that skill tree was like you find out the how they disappeared? Only I would use be it once. all over that. <laughs> I would spend the point. <laughs> or you finish their epic quest chain. That's when you get revealed how it happened. Uh, yeah, I'd do it. I want to be able to summon a Dwemer spider that runs at my enemy oh, and explodes. Yeah. <laughs> one chat at a Dwemer Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, any other comments on that, guys? Alright, final question. When attempting to take a keep, what are the perimeters for victory? In other words, what will the keep... When will the keep change banners? Or, yeah. To break into a keep, attackers will have to destroy the walls or the gate. These openings will remain after the keep has been has changed banners. We know resources, mines, lumber mills, farms, will automatically repair the damage over time, but these are important to defending the stronghold. So they will most likely not have survived the battle either. How can players restore them and the walls and gates of the keep? How will players be able to manually repair the keep's walls and gates? I will probably be sneaking around a lot, so I'd like to know what role you expect thieves and assassins to play in taking a keep. You mentioned guerrilla warfare. Can you elaborate? There are two flags in a keep which must be held by the same alliance to officially capture it. Killing NPCs is not required to take control of the keep, but it definitely makes it easier. There are capture banners at each resource, and resources are captured independently of keeps, so... You can send out small skirmish groups to recapture them. As for your damaged gates and walls, you'll be able to purchase masonry and woodworking kits to help repair them more quickly. Sneaky players are great at taking out individual siege operators and weaponry. The best way to stop a weapon from firing is to kill the person using it. After that, you can set the weapon on fire and it'll get destroyed very quickly. I feel like that'll be, if if anything, that would probably be my role. Because, I mean, I love sneaking around doing everything. Because 
I mean, you guys said it. Like, there's it seems like there's so many options, and like you really need to think about how you approach capturing anything or killing anything in this game. In it's in the PvP. So, man, for someone like me, this is definitely opening up options. There is no honor in sneaking. There's no death either. So, <laughs> oh, there is. You get caught, you're toasty. Uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun taking on sneaky players like Shank. <laughs> yeah, okay, guys, do you have any thoughts on this? No, I, it's actually a great mechanic. How they're encouraging players, you know, to go out there, fight for, you know, for the possessions of those keeps and fortresses, what have you. And then just because you capture, it, you know, it doesn't magically, you know, in two seconds, you have a brand, you know, brand new keep. No. No, you actually have to have players who will go out there and say, you know, I'll repair. You know, you you help you defend me while I repair. You know, the walls and the doors. You know, because there's always time possibility for counterattack. Yeah, man, I can just because you lost, they can always come back and say, you know what, we're coming back to get it. And now it's going to become a race to see, you know, get your stuff up, get repaired before they come back. I can imagine already organizing a uh, siege on a keep, getting siege weapons and stuff like that, and having. Posting three guards per siege. Obviously, like they said here, you know, taking out the operator is one of the best ways to stop it. If you have three guards at least around them, it'd be very hard for them to stop it. I mean, other tactics like that, you know. I love this. I I think that when anyone turns on a PvP battle in an MMO, the first thing they think of is how many players can I kill today. It's always the kill death ratio. If that's how you're going to approach PvP in ESO, you're going to fail. You're going to die. You're going to fail. <laughs> You have to actually think, like really, really think. And you have to approach this more from a uh, RTS real-time strategy than a, than a PvP battle. And if you're not doing that, it's just not going to work out for you. And that, that excites me because as much as I love trying to you know, get a high kill-death ratio in a PvP battle, it gets boring for me after a while. It's just not enough to keep me engaged so exactly that i'm going to be able to figure out something on on how to really take this place this keep or or you know etc what have you based on other factors i i'm excited by that i think it's a really cool idea i'm looking forward to playing it actually me too yeah which is something i didn't think i'd be saying anytime soon but me too <laughs> All right, that's it for the Ask Us Anything this week. Thanks for Zenimax for putting that out and the people who asked the questions. Uh, a couple of them were actually very, very good this time. Rather enjoyed it. Only one was a dud, but you know. How <laughs> <laughs> we rating them now? <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm rating them. <laughs> uh, the Scrolls is the greatest game series of the decade. What is this about, Avarwin? No, 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 no. That's not here. You gotta do it like this. Elder Scrolls <laughs> is the greatest! game series of the decade and my audio peg peeks out <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh, <Lord>. fail <laughs> so uh, gee whiz uh, how can we say such a thing well here you go in a recent bracket system vote on gamespot.com uh, which pit popular game titles against each other in elimination rounds until only one was left standing the title of the greatest game series of the decade was decided. Uh, the vote came down to two titles, Elder Scrolls versus Grand Theft Auto. Fantastic series, by the way. Uh, the Big fan of GTA. 
What's that? I'm a big fan of GTA. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great series. I had a, I had a couple of those games myself. Uh, well, the votes are in, and Elder Scrolls wins in a very tight race, with the grand totals for each racking up to 52.5% in favor of Elder Scrolls and 47.5% for Grand Theft Auto. So congratulations to the Elder Scrolls series and to Bethesda for being chosen by their fans and consumers as the greatest game series of the decade. You know, that's exactly how my personal voting would have been if I were to, like, rank them in my mind like that. It'd yeah. pretty much be that close. With e- with the, uh, the Elder Scrolls series on top. I, I legitimately tried voting for this multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Shank trying to stack the votes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, little side note, Fallout was also in the top four only beaten by the Elder Scrolls. So we had two Bethesda titles, huh? Up there. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Thing you know, Bethesda right <laughs> reminds me a lot of um, they're on the same kind of developer level as Blizzard is. And when you think of those two developers, what do you think about? You think about quality. They don't mm-hmm. release a game yearly. They don't release a game until they know it's ready. And it shows in everything that they do. I mean, yes, Elder Scrolls have known to have bugs and they get released, but that's typical with every single game ever released. But the content and what you're getting into and what you're playing is far and beyond, far and and beyond the normal game studio's method of releasing games. So yeah. it doesn't surprise me. Agreed. All right. <clears throat> We had a crafting table last week that I was chosen yet again <laughs> from Mr. Evil Arwen. You were chosen. Um, do you want me to get into that right now, or do you want to talk about Yeah, man, do it up. I want to hear about All right. a Ravi Dungeon. A Ravi Dungeon. I actually live-streamed it today while I did it. There are Yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't uh, make the live-stream. I, oh, no, I wanted cool. to, but I had to do the notes. I'm kind of glad you didn't, because I would rather t- give you my results now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Glad you weren't there, jerk. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want you to have a, f- a fresh, you know, um, review, if you will. Right, right, right. Because you would right. have known uh, my my points of view if you would have listened to the or seen the live stream. Uh huh. Well, uh, please uh, tantalize my virgin ears. <laughs> I, I, okay, there's a couple things about this that I found really positive, and a couple of things that were negative. Um, the really positive aspect of this is that it is a very beautifully designed dungeon. The guy, well, hold on, yeah. just just for just to get this off and out of the way, because I, I want to know right now: should should I download this or not? Yes. Okay. I think it's worth right, downloading. Um, my only warning warning is is that please understand you're going to probably spend an hour or more inside this dungeon. Oh, not due to size. But it kind of goes to where my complaint is. There are a ton of puzzles and hidden switches for doors. Um, And there is one that is, I would say, glitched. Because it's not obvious. Let's put it this way. There is a Dragon Claw in in, in particular. I'm not going to give any spoilers. I'm going to give hints. Um, There's an uh, Aravi Dragon Claw. I know how you open the Dragon Door normally by flipping the claw open and seeing the three marks. Mm -hmm. That's not the answer to this one. 
Oh. Which got me extremely frustrated because I kept on trying the claw marks, the claw symbols over and over again. It was doing nothing. No indicator I was doing wrong. No indicator I was doing anything right. Wound up searching around the rooms. I'm not going to tell you what the actual answer is. Mm-hmm. But let's just say that you got to pay very, very close attention, and it was actually someone in the chat room that um, helped with that answer. A lot, actually. Um, chat room knows everything. They gave me the clue that said, yeah, that's it. Uh, the boss fight at the end, he is powerful. He will give you a fight. I survived it with not even a sliver of life left. What level are you? 52. What was your, your method of attack? I started out archery. Pinging at him with my crossbow with a uh, lightning bolts. Mm-hmm. And then finished him off going melee. The melee part was my mistake. That's when I started getting hammered. Because I was able to avoid his magic, because he's a spellcaster. I was able to avoid his magic, for the most part, while doing my crossbow. But when I went in melee, that's when he started hammering me. And when he started hammering me, it was hitting a lot harder than I expected by far. Um, wow. There's a lot of Draugr all over the place, and they are fairly simple depending on your level. Uh, the graphics, like I said, the design of it is very unique in Elder Scrolls. There's ro- one room in particular that actually had me in awe. That it was really awesome to see. You gotta look up, and you look down, and you're like, what the heck? It was <laughs> really cool. So the design of it is really neat. I would highly recommend bringing a torch with you, or mage light, or a candlelight, or some other kind of light spell because it does get very very dark in there yeah i don't i don't go anywhere without a, a whole bunch of torches on me yeah i didn't have any so it made it difficult at some points i didn't find the hidden weapon cache i did look i have no idea where and the major major problem i had is that there is no shortcut out after you complete the dungeon you have oh, to so you run go all, the way, all <laughs> the way back around Wow. And that was the only <laughs> major flaw that I had besides the uh, Dragon Claw issue. Other than that, it was actually, I was very entertained while playing it. So it was a good job. Cool. Oh, good. I'm glad I am glad I finally got you a good mod. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. Now I'll stop bugging you. <laughs> <laughs> and next week, Joe... <laughs> All right, Varlin, what do you have for us this week, buddy? All right, so so uh, here's here's the mod challenge of the week. Uh, now, if you don't know how this goes, I will tell you. Mod challenge of the week is for one host only. For that week, I will announce who the challenge is for. The host will click on a link that's right here in our show notes and will read off what the mod is and what it does. And the host has until next week to show... And install and try the mod. So, here we go. That's uh, that's the link right there. And this will go to David Deanforce Adams because oh, he complained now you last come week. Come crawling back, don't yeah. Dave. I, I am so sorry. You have to do this one. <laughs> this is for Joe. Actually, shut up, Dave. Sit down. <laughs> Dude, you have no idea how much of a huge Aliens and Predator fan I am. This is actually looking really cool. You have no clue. I am, oh my god. I do know how much you told me. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) 
This actually looks I, actually oh kind of neat. This is so cool. <laughs> Aliens versus Dovahkiin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Aliens versus Jen. Like any good, like any good crossover. If uh, if aliens aren't in the crossover, it's not a good crossover. <laughs> oh my god! Well, actually, the, guys, downloading the name of the mod is Aliens, and yes, it does bring in the famous aliens from the movies Alien and Aliens, and three, and four, <laughs> created by Dogtown One. Dave, you want yes. to read the description? So cool! Not really. I'm too excited. <laughs> says from Dogtown Run. Description is a very short distance east of the entrance to Iliana's I- Deep. There's a cave opening. Fight your way through the xenomorph hive against many different xenotypes and face huggers. When you reach the center of the nest, prepare for the battle against the queen. Oh my god! <laughs> Unopened alien eggs can be looted to collect alien embryos. That can be collected and used as decoration in your home. Oh my god! <laughs> Man, or you can eat them to regain health. Oh my! I love you. <laughs> it's like it's like a kid after Christmas. <laughs> this is really. the coolest thing. I actually have a face hugger full size like toy that's posable. And every oh my, I'm breaking out my alien toys. They're gonna have these. And our first email comes in to us from Therapist and Ivarwin. This is all you, man. Sounds good. It says, hi, OTR crew. Something been bothering me about the whole auction house situation, and I think I've come up with what's going on or a possible solution to the trade issue. At first, I thought the auction house would be part of an expansion, like the Thieves Guild or Dark Brotherhood, a merchant or banker's guild, for example. But after the Remembering Lose legment, uh, segment, on the Guilds Act, I realized that all the guilds were established in the Second Era 321, 262 years before the time of ESO. So this could be lore-breaking, as there's no mention of such a guild. This left me disappointed, as I thought was onto something. As I thought I was onto something. However, what is mentioned on the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages is merchant organizations organizations such as East Empire Trading Company. Now this opens all sorts of possibilities. Auction houses in ports across factions, cross-faction trading, reputation, questing, grinding. There could be commission on sales like you see in most MMOs, so there's a gold sink. Anyway, I'm sure we could think of loads of others. My point is, that just having a guild trade is fine to start off with, and heck, it might even work, but Zenimax have always responded well to community input and have repeatedly said that they will have an aggressive content update schedule. So my thinking is auction houses will make an appearance at some time. I'm wondering what you guys think or have come up with any ideas about this topic. Yours sincerely, Therapist. I would say regarding regarding the whole issue on on auction houses. Uh, what I love about this email is that this guy definitely brings up a really awesome awesome idea, and that is essentially this: um, you could go to someplace like East Empire Trading Company and actually have like an auction house type of thing there, like you'd see in most MMOs. 
uh, that would not be lore-breaking at all. Now, if they were to have you know, an NPC that would be the auction house in quotes, that would be a little lore-breaking. And I, and I know that Zenimax wants to sort of get away from that sort of thing. But you know, like I said, this guy brings up a great idea, or at least a good thought, saying that, well, if you don't want to have it like that, you could have the East Empire Trading Company sort of be your pseudo-auction house, if you will. That coupled on top of the uh, guild stores that we'll have access to within our own guilds, I think would make for uh, a really interesting and uh, robust player-to-player um, financial system. I, I got a question. So, our maybe I mean I'm, I'm maybe I'm just misunderstanding, but our, our, our auction houses they're they're player-driven, right? Or does like the to do. Like, do, do do the developers have any control over that, or auction houses play, like is that just purely like driven by the players' uh, purchase patterns and all that stuff? It's completely driven by the player economy. Okay, okay. So if you had okay with their guild store, so if they had like two player, okay, I'm just thinking out loud here. Okay. <laughs> well, since you're out well, there uh, talking, what Lou? Well, no, no, go ahead. I was just gonna move on. If you have something to say, go for it. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Shank, he's just trying to, you know, cause since we know so little about how exactly the, the guild stores will work, I think what he's trying to say, you know, if if you don't want to use the guild store and you still want to sell your stuff, you know, you, you would, at, at this time, there's no means that's, you know, available. You know, there's no information uh, out there. Okay. So he's postulating, you know what, if they don't use the guild stores or what have you, guild auction houses, maybe use... An NPC, you know, third, use them as a third party to actually hold auctions. Gotcha. You know, you use them to hawk your wares, and you get, you know, they get their cut, obviously, because they're the ones selling it for you. Well, cool. And it goes across across all three factions. Our next email comes in from Swarly, and this is all Shank. <laughs> the Shank emote slash kill Argonian whips out an Argonian to sacrifice brutally. You, Mr. Swarley, just received my much-coveted huge G award for this week. <laughs> oh, my God. I totally agree with this dude. Or chick. It's awesome. <laughs> More hate mail. I know, right? <laughs> Wild Argoine hate. Uh, next email comes in from Michael D., Dave, this is yours. Yes. Michael D. says, Dear Elder Scrolls Off the Record, I've been re-listening to all the former episodes, and I have a question about a game mechanic discussed in the PAX East episode. When you guys were talking about crowd control usage with Nick Conkle, somebody asked about a diminishing return system in ESO, to which he responded that this sort of system would not occur in the game. From my understanding, this is a business and economic term, but I don't understand how it applies to an MMO. My question is, in terms of an MMO, what does diminishing returns mean? Also, does Nick's original answer still hold true? Thanks and keep up the awesome work, Michael D. P.S. This is extremely random, but Joe looks exactly like the field goal kicker for the Michigan football team. <laughs> that is random. It's <laughs> <is> really random. <laughs> wow, left field. Got Dave, it. Dave, <laughs> you want to answer the question? 
I absolutely can't answer this one. Diminishing returns when you're talking about video games, well, across the board, is, you know, on the first hit, let's say it does 10 uh, seconds of stun. So for those 10 seconds, the enemy can't do anything. The next time it's hit, due to diminishing returns, let's say it's reduced by half, just for the sake of argument. So the next time, if it's hit within a certain time period, it's now getting hit for five seconds of diminishing returns, due to diminishing returns. Let's say it's hit a third time within the period that diminishing returns is still active. It would then be hit again for a reduce by another 50%. So now, since the first one was 10, the second time hit was 5, the next time it's hit is 2.5. The next time it's hit is 1.25, and so on and so forth, sloping down so it becomes smaller and smaller and does less, le- it becomes less effective each time it's used in succession. Until there's immunity well, to it. Until it's base, it, it might as well be immune to it, basically, right? Now, we've seen this in a lot of different games. Uh, WoW has diminishing returns in many different aspects of its game, especially in PvP, uh, especially in crowd control, things like that. Um, Diablo, Diablo 2, Diablo 3, also has this sort of thing. And it's not even an MMO, but it has diminishing returns. Um, other games... Every pretty much anything that had uh, a stun effect in an MMO game usually has diminishing returns, unless there's another reliant factor. In Elder Scrolls, which which Nick Conkle re- referred to, the reason they are not having diminishing returns is because stuns and other effects are not free. Exactly. They're gonna cost. They're gonna cost your stamina. Stamina and or mana. Right. So they because they have a cost, they don't have diminishing returns per se. They will you will get to a point if you use that stun over and over and over again, you're not gonna have any uh any more mana or stamina to use on anything else. You're you would be hurting yourself by using only that one effect. I mean, forgive me, because I'm not, I'm not really used to it. Like, why, why would you have to have diminishing returns in, in a game? You would have to have diminishing returns prevent because there are... What, what's up? Just to prevent... It's the simple answer is to prevent over-spamming. Yeah. It's oh. to stop okay. people from keeping someone on lockdown. Gotcha. Okay, okay. So they just can't keep hitting the same thing over and over and over. And, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. That makes sense. All right, I that was a good explanation, Dave. I'm, I was going off on a tangent there. I'm, I hope it made sense. Uh, yeah, I think it was answered. What yeah. do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I I needed that explanation. Trust me. <laughs> okay. All right, well, we're I, gonna. I know I did it right if Shank understood. <laughs> right, exactly. He's our uh, benchmark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna go ahead and move on to the El- to the Elder Scroll. We're going to be loring with Lou. Alrighty. Thank you very much, Joe, for the introduction. And, as always, continuing in our journey with all things Magic and Magicka. Today, we're going to cover just a little bit of a book. Broken into two parts, otherwise Joe would kill me. Uh, <laughs> today, 
we're going to delve a little bit more into necromancy. A black arts on trial. Or as I like to say, the dead as tools for the living. Part 1. And this is a book by Hannibal Traven, Archmagister of the Mages Guild. In his own words, a summary of the salient points of the debate which led to the resolution of the Mages Guild on the subject of necromancy. Part 1. History. Necromancy, commonly called the Black Arts, has a history that dates back before recorded time. Virtually all the earliest laws of the land make mention of it as expressly forbidden on pain of death. Independent practitioners of the arts of sorcery, however, continued its study. The Cidric Order of the Isle of Artaeum, precursor to our own Mages Guild, also forbade its use, not only because it was dangerous, but their belief in the holy and unholy ancestors of spirits made it heretical. Again, despite this, we hear many stories of students and masters who ignored this stricture. When Venus Galerian left Artaeum, he may disagree with the Cidrics on much, but he also refused to allow necromancy to be taught in the guild. Almost 1,100 years have passed since the time of Venus Galerian, and there have been many archmagisters to lead this guild. The question of necromancy has continued to be asked. The strictures against the guild have never been lifted, but attitudes about it have shifted back and forth over the years. Some archmagisters have been inclined to ignore it entirely. Some have fought very actively against it, and still... Other archmagisters have been rumored to be necromancers themselves. In my new role as archmagister of the Mages Guild, it is my duty to set policy on this matter. Though I have my own opinions on the Black Arts, I took counsel with two of the most learned mages of the Empire. Magister of Voth, Carlis of Corinth, and Magister Ulisetta Grakhog of Orsinium, and we debated for two days. What follows are summaries of the salient points of the debate, arguments and counter-arguments, which led to the resolution of the Mages Guild on the subject of necromancy. Part 2. The Argument Argument by Master Greg Hogg. And he says, Necromancy is poorly understood. We will not make it disappear by ignoring it. As an intellectual institution dedicated to the study of magical arts and sciences, we have obligations to the truth. Censoring ourselves and our scholarship is antithetical to our mission of neutrality and objectivity. Counter-argument by Master Carlos. The Mages Guild must balance its quest for knowledge with responsible caution and ethical standards. It is not censoring a student's course of study to have him proceed cautiously and with purity of purpose. It is not limiting a student's freedom to set rules and boundaries. Indeed, it is essential. Argument by Master Carlos. Necromancy is an anathema throughout the civilized world. To embrace it publicly, the Mages Guild would inspire fear and hostility in the populace at large. Thanis Galerian wanted this institution to be unlike the Sigic Order, which was elitist and separatist. We ignore public opinion at our own risk. We will certainly lose our charters in many places, including, very likely, the whole of Morrowind, where sentiment against necromancy is very strong. Counter-argument by Master Greg Hawk. Yes, we should be sensitive to the concerns of the community, but they should not and must not dictate our scholarship. Necromancer to many uneducated persons simply means an evil mage. It is madness to limit our work because of prejudices and half-formed understanding. It is an affront to the purpose of objective study to turn our back on a subject merely because of public opinion. 
argument by Master Greg Hogg. Necromancers are the scourge of Tamriel. Whether operating independently or in concert with the Slodes or the King of Worms and Marco, they are responsible for many horrors, animated zombies, and skeletons and other forms of the undead. To best combat this menace, we must understand the powers of the Necromancer, and we cannot do that by restricting our study of the Black Arts. To which, the counter-argument by Master Carlos. No one is disputing the threat of the Black Arts. In fact, that is the very essence of my argument against the Mages Guild making it a school to be taught to our initiates. We can and should know that our enemy, pardon me, what our enemy is capable of. But we must be careful not to step into the trap of looking too deep into his ways and making those ways our own. We do no one any good if by studying the evil ways we become evil ourselves. To which Master Carla says, Necromancy is inherently dangerous. One cannot dabble in it. The simplest spell requires a spilling of blood and immediately begins to corrupt the caster's soul. That is not, this is not conjecture, but simple fact. It is irresponsible of the guild to teach and thereby encourage a sort of magical study which has proven itself time and time again to bring nothing but terror and misery on the practitioner and world. To which Master Gregor counter argues, all schools of magic are dangerously initiated. A simple fireball spell from the School of Destruction can cause great harm when cast by a novice, not only to others, but to the mage himself. The School of Mysticism, by its very nature, forces the practitioner to divorce his mind from logic, to embrace a temporary sort of insanity, which one might argue is very like corrupting one's soul. To which, again, Messagragog postulates, the guild already permits some forms of necromancy. The schools of magicka are, as we know, artificial constructs, originally formulated by Van Scalarion to divide and thereby simplify study. They have changed many times throughout the years, but at their heart, every master knows they are all linked together. When a student of conjuration summons a guardian ghost, he is touch- touching on the school of necromancy. When a student of enchantment uses a trapped soul, he too may be considered guilty of a black art. The school of mysticism, as I have stated before, has some kinship with necromancy as well. To state that students may not learn the ways of necromancy is to stifle common skills in the other, more historically legitimate schools of the guild. To which Master Carlos counter-argues, Yes, the schools are intertwined, but the standard spells of each school have passed the proof of time. We know that a student of mysticism, properly instructed, will not permanently be permanently harmed by his experience. In many ways, it is a question of extremes. How far would we permit our studies to take us? Necromancy, by its very nature, relies on the practitioner going further into the darkness than is wise, virtually guaranteeing his destruction. It has no place on the Mage's Guild. And this ends Part 1. Tune in next week as ESOTR delves further with Part 2 of the Black Arts on Trial. And I want to say thank you to the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages, the Elder Scrolls Wiki, and the Imperial Library for providing all this great information. Hope you all enjoyed it. Please go to those sites, take a look. A lot of lore. Take advantage of it. All righty. Thank you, Lou. We're going to go ahead and move on to our final thoughts of the evening, ending out this show tonight. I just want to say PvP. Evarwin? I love my Elder Scrolls anthology. And Lou? I hate you, Evarwin. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I don't hate you much. 
Thanks. just hating right now. But yeah, I, I can't wait to pick up my own copy and, and you know just I, I will just put my face and just rub it like oh dodge okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave, you know I'm actually hoping that the, that at least soon they release more information about how the economy works in ESO because I'm I really am interested in in taking full advantage of it. And Shank. I guess the more and more we hear about their PvP, the less um, scared I am of it, because there was a lot of questions tonight that I didn't even know I had, but were answered, so kudos to Zoss. And it's time for our QGN community segment. Mystery Varwin, take us out. Yeah, to check up on the latest and greatest of Elder Scrolls news, general gaming, and how to join our wonderful growing community, well, it all starts at ElderScrollsOffTheRecord.com and at QuestGamingNetwork.com. Over at QuestGamingNetwork.com, you can stay connected to all of the latest news from Xbox, PlayStation, Rift, and Elder Scrolls. Uh, you can donate to our shows. $10 gets a special mention, if you prefer. Uh, and you can follow all of our other shows, like Rift Off the Record Live, Sundays at 7 p.m., and the upcoming Dungeon Quest coming September 16th, live at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and we start recording at 7. Uh, oh, find ways to hear all about our QGN shows and contact us as well on our sidebar, and all of that is at questgamingnetwork.com. Can I uh, jump in really quick on something? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, we are going to be starting recording on a current plan. The new Adrenaline Esports show will be starting on fr- on Wednesday the 25th. A time will be announced shortly. TM, trademark. Okay. Soon. So if you're a fan of esports, that's the show to check out. Uh, you can email us at elderscrollsofftherecord at gmail.com and check out all our gaming videos and how-to guides and recorded Twitch streams at youtube.com forward slash Network. And don't forget to watch for our nightly stream seven days a week on our Twitch channel at twitch.tv forward slash Network. Uh, be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash Elder Scrolls Off the Record. And follow us on Twitter. Show can be found at Elder Scrolls OTR. Joe can be found at The Widget. I'm Evarwin. You can follow me at Evarwin, E V A R W Y N. Uh, Lou's at GamerGuy 11B, G A M E R G U Y 11B. And Dave is at D and D I E N Force. <laughs> and Shank. Is at Shank Tank. S H A N K T H T A N K. Elder Scrolls Off the Record is a Quest Gaming Network production in association with Millet Network. I just want to say, uh, Foos for all you all next week. Take care, everyone. Be safe. May the Foos be with you. Good night, everyone. Glad you were all here. Hope to see you all again next week. Foos for all y'all. See you next time. Leave off the E for discounts on pumice stones. Best Gaming Network. Great people, great podcasts, a better network.